Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is veteran drummer Jack Bruno. Jack's drumming career can be traced back to the 1960s. Jack grew up in a musical family in Boston and spent his early years in New York before making the leap to Los Angeles in 1976. This turned out to be the right move, as by 1981, he began his almost three-decade tenure with superstar Tina Turner. And this was just the beginning of a long and successful career, working with many legendary artists like Elton John, Richard Marks, Peter Frampton, Joe Cocker, just to name a few. Jack currently tours and records with the legendary Delbert McClinton. To find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done on Working Drummer Podcast, you can go to workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, as well as iTunes, where you can rate and review this podcast. This helps us grow. This helps us reach new listeners and put on a better podcast for you. So find us on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. We are also on Stitcher and Spotify. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I have been doing here for over six years, you can find us on patreon.com slash working drummer for as little as a dollar per month. You have access to the educational material that we provide on our Patreon page provided by former guests. If Patreon isn't your thing, we have a PayPal button on our website, workingdrummer.net. You can go there and donate. We appreciate all the support over the years that we've gotten from you, our listeners, and we are excited about what 2021 is bringing to the table, and we hope you are too. Get it right at the source, the most common advice we hear when recording real drums. Well, tuned drums and good mic placement is a great place to start. What shouldn't be overlooked is the room or space where you're recording or practicing your drums. The time and energy it takes to work up and record a great performance shouldn't be wasted in a sonically bad environment. A proper mix of absorption, diffusion, and bass traps will improve the quality of your recordings just as much as the investment you made in your drum set and your recording equipment. Sonatus USA provides the products and consultation for any situation, any size room to get your drums sounding the best they can. Whether you're recording, rehearsing, or mixing, having a great sounding room is essential. Check them out at sonatususa.com. That's S-O-N-I-T-U-S-U-S-A dot com. I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Jack Bruno. It was uh, it was a real joy to get to meet him and talk to him on the phone for this podcast. Uh, if you get a chance to go on YouTube and find some of these live performances that Jack has done with Tina Turner, it's really amazing, especially after you hear this conversation. Jack is such a soft-spoken uh, person and... I think we've discussed this before where you see the drumming style and then you meet the person and sometimes you make the connection right away. Oh, well, I get it now because this is the person and they drum like they sound. And so you've got the soft-spoken Jack Bruno, but man, he brings the fire as is expected from an artist like Tina Turner. He was the meat and potatoes behind Joe Cocker. There's some great footage there. And, uh, of course, he swings his ass off with Delbert McClinton these days. Uh, so it was a real joy. Uh, many thanks to Jack White for making the connection 
with us and Jack Bruno. But uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Jack Bruno. South Street when the bottle fell out Somebody screamed What you talking about? I heard a glass break and somebody moaned Saw Raymond running out the front door Screaming into his cell phone Don't do it There must be something I can do Please don't do it Let me make uh, I don't want to go too far without thanking Jack White, uh, drummer Jack White, for connecting us. Uh, I, I know he lived here in Nashville for a while, and you live in Nashville now. Uh, I've been here for a little over 20 years, and um, as I like to say, it's an incestuous group of musicians that live here. Everyone kind of knows each other, uh, even though it is big city, but we've never really crossed paths. Uh, and and Jack is in uh, Los Angeles, so it's it is kind of this trifecta that has connected us. So I want to thank Jack. How 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 long have you known Jack, and and what what's your connection with him? Uh, I've known Jack on and off since uh, uh, Los Angeles uh, when I lived there, uh-huh. um, and then he uh, you know had been living here. I've been here for over twenty years too. Oh wow! Um, and uh, you know I just playing around town and ran into him a couple of times and we spoke and, um, you know, just kind of talked from time to time. And then, um, he has a Tina, uh, Turner connection because he, he played with, uh, he played with Tina, uh, when he was a kid, I think it was his first gig when he moved to Los Angeles. I think he was, told me he was 18 or something like that with Ike. Ike and Tina. Yeah. Uh, you know, that opened his eyes a little bit. <laughs> maybe his maybe his nose too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. And um yeah, and then that which led to Rick Springfield. Uh, anybody that's listening, yeah. if you're interested, uh, he was an early guest um on the podcast when we started years ago. And um you could listen to that guy read the phone book and uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he he's uh, yeah he's just always sounds optimistic and and uh, right, right. and he he has lots of uh, uh, he's grateful uh, you know when when you speak to him and uh, you know he's just uh, he's a positive person um, you know whenever I've spoken to him I know he's got stuff going on and yeah. you know yeah. just like a many people, you know, dealing with life, but, um, you know, he deals with it well and, uh, his, uh, you know, we've had good conversations, but yeah, we, he was trying to, uh, connect with Tina somehow again after God knows how many years and, uh, sort of write a letter of gratitude to her. I was trying oh, to wow. connect him with her, her sort of that's, that's girl, amazing. girl Friday, a woman who had been with her for ever. Uh, who was around when Jack was first around. So uh, sadly, that woman passed away, um, you know, in, in just several months ago. Oh, wow. um, so I'm not sure if uh, if the letter made it or not. I, I don't know. I okay. told Jack. But anyway, yeah. So we've, we've uh, I've known Jack on and off for years. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've... We're old. I'm sorry. We're old. 
<laughs> we're old. <laughs> I thought there was we've more been, to it than that. No, that's nah, it. We've we're, been around a while. We're right? old, you know, period. We've, <laughs> <laughs> we, we've run into each, into each other here and there. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've commissioned him to uh, do our intro for the podcast. Uh, we have this a short script that we mm-hmm. started off, and we've had a couple different vari- varieties and some and a, and a good friend that does sports casting who we've been using for the last year, and and it was time to uh, inject some new life, and uh, and he he offered his services, and I thought that would be amazing. His voice cool. is, is so great, so we're excited about that. Um, you, you've you've done some uh, recent interviews in, in recent years. Um, I, there's a great video of you with Dom Famulero, and uh, there's a there's a great uh, uh, interview with you, uh, the Drum Shuffle, uh, which is another great podcast for for drummers to check out. And um, and 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 Jamie goes through a, a timeline with you, which is which is wonderful. And and I I I want to use the timeline, but I don't want to necessarily go back through it. I, I kind of want to extract some things. Maybe uh, if anyone's interested in checking that out, this could be maybe a companion piece, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, that's been a while since I did that. I'm, yeah. I'm not a, I don't remember specifically what we spoke about. I mean, I could guess, you know, as yeah. the timeline stuff goes. It was, a, wife, but, it, it, it was about you, Jack. Uh, it was about <laughs> Jack Bruno. That's um, all that matters, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, so, like, 1981, you started – well, you, you moved – You so I'll try and try my best to kind of get people up to speed, and, and we'll jump around a little bit. But, you know, you, you grew up in the Boston area. Family were musicians. You were surrounded by music. Uh, just this classic story of uh, having professional, semi-professional musicians in the family – Music in the house, uh, just an inspiration, never a question of this is what I'm going to do and support from your family. And then moving to New York, getting a, a record deal with a, with a band, um, with a, putting out a couple albums, uh, kind of exhausting that resource. And then what, in 76, moving to Los Angeles? It was 76, yeah. Uh-huh. What I find interesting about that, if just to pause on that just for a second, is uh, you in your in your speaking to these these different people, uh, you, you talked about like it was time to you had friends there said come on out, and you're like I didn't know what I was going to do. I wasn't like was I going to do sessions? When I was was I going to do live work? It just didn't matter, and I I felt a connection. I felt like. That was my thing for moving from Columbus, Ohio in late 99 to Nashville is, what am I going to do? What are you going to do down there? I'm like, I don't know, but it's just, I just want to make a living at yeah. playing drums. So That's that's exactly what, what I was trying to do. I just wanted to play drums. I, I had no desire to, I didn't go out there looking to be a studio guy or, I, I just wanted to play drums. I wanted to work. I just wanted to, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And do you think that that philosophy, that's that strat, or I guess you call it a strategy, but do you think that that was a good way to go? Just kind of. Well, it worked for me. Yeah, uh, but you know, time, <laughs> times were different uh, back then, and there was uh, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of work, um, but um, no, I mean, it could have worked the other way if I was, in, you know, went. 
to LA intent on being a studio guy and just kind of went down that road and focused on that. I mean, that, that could have worked out too. I, I, but that I, I didn't want, I wasn't going there. Uh, that wasn't a focus. I, like I said, it was just, uh, uh, just kind of following my nose. Um, yeah. and, uh, picking up some gigs here and there and, uh, meeting some people and picking up other gigs and, you know, just kind of snowballs. Um, but once again, uh, it was a different time. There was a lot going on at right. that point in time. Uh, you know, there were guys uh, doing studio, doing sessions who were, uh, not leaving town. They were just doing sessions. There were tons of them, you know, they, they worked all the time. Um, you know, they weren't going to get on a bus and do a road kick. They didn't want to go anywhere. It's like, well, I didn't care. I was like, <laughs> you know, where's the bus? I'll get on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And, and you got the call for uh, auditioning for Tina. Was it in '81? You got the call. I think it was yeah. um, right around there, pretty close to it. Um, yeah, and, and that once again, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. There were auditions for bands, uh, you know, solo artists, singers uh, going out, putting a band together. Um, and uh yeah i got a call to come in and do an audition for her <clears throat> and and, um, and that's an interesting story and there's a there's a great kind of takeaway from that if if you could tell kind of how the you got the call but you were waiting for them like hey what's going on yeah well um yeah i got the call and uh, the guy said uh let me uh, call you back to you no know, schedule the, the the audition all right but i didn't hear from him for a couple of weeks so i called and said what's going on he said oh we found somebody yeah okay <laughs> and then he and then he asked me if i knew any guitar players which is kind of just the way you know it all works uh, often you know so i handed him a couple of phone numbers of guys i had been working with and, and uh in LA around town and um they hired uh one of the guys uh a guy named James Ralston and then uh man I can't remember how long it was but it couldn't have been more than a I don't know a month later maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more uh I get a call you know um Tina's not happy with the drummer um you know, your guitar player friend recommended that we call you. Uh, so he kind of returned the favor for me, which right. was nice. Yeah. And then, uh, so I just, um, they were at a gig up in San Francisco uh, in a hotel. Uh, we used to do a lot of those. Uh, it was a Fairmont hotel. Uh, anyway, I flew up there and did the audition. It was just, uh, my guitar player friend, James and Tina and me. That was it. Wow. Yeah, no band. I think it was kind of hush-hush. It was a little kind of, didn't really want anybody to know what was going on at that point. Sure. So, um, yeah, that was my audition. Guitar, drums, vocals. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that's something we talk about, you know, things were so different back then, and yet that's something that is timeless, <laughs> you know, just solid relationships and... You know, making those uh, the best impressions you can, you know, honestly and, you know, uh, with integrity so that 
when your buddies recommend you, they're, they know, okay, this is going to be who I'm going to be living with on the road. Uh, so is he going to be playing well? You know, is he going to be a good player, good, good musician? Uh, but also, is he going to be someone I'm going to want to hang with? You know, he's going to do all the things. Yeah, well, at that point, you know, nobody knew. I mean, I, honestly, I didn't know James uh, that well. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, or anybody else in the band, for that matter. You know? So who, who knows? You know, it all it all comes out in the wash once you get on the bus and you oh, know, yeah. start living in, living in close quarters. But, uh, you know, but at that point, actually, we weren't busting. We were just flying to – we were flying to uh, cities and, and uh, playing in, like, hotel showrooms not, not Vegasy. It was similar to that, but we weren't going to Vegas. Yeah. Um, it was like Fairmount hotels, and you know we'd stay for two weeks, and you'd do six nights a week, two shows a night. Wow. Uh, you know, two one-hour shows a night. Yeah. Um, uh, an early like dinner show, and then the second show would be you know a little crazier, a little, little <laughs> more open, and uh, we had a ball. You know, it was it was great. Um, you staying in a city for. Two weeks at a time, you kind of get to know your way around a bit and uh, meet some people. It was great. That's awesome, and it was and it was just a basic band, wasn't it? Just bass, drums, yeah, guitar, it, and Tina. Yeah, it was bass, drums, guitar, piano, and okay. then there was a guy a guy playing B three as oh, well. Okay, and there were two girls. Uh, I have to add, yeah, the dancers. Yeah, they sang a little bit, but mostly dancers. She always had dancers. That was yeah, part of yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and this was before things kind of blew up the kind of this, she's kind of starting a second career after leaving Ike and exactly. And so it was kind of a, you know, it was in second gear, but it wasn't, didn't really hit the way, you know, those of us that grew up in the eighties know Tina and a little bit different light when we first discovered her as kids. And then you look back and like she was with who now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Was that guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, th- then there was this transition, and so this is this is also interesting. I, I know I said we, we're not going to really do the timeline. We're, we're, we're kind of doing it anyways, but but I want to get to some questions that are related to kind of this this part, this kind of career, this kind of playing. Uh, so. It, there, there was an interesting thing because at, at I don't what I don't know what year it was, but you decided to, you know, like oh, I've done this for a few years. It's time to, to to try something else, and you left Tina. I did. Yeah. Yeah, well, I felt like it was just time to move on for me. Um, I had done it for, I guess it was a few years from eighty one to about eighty four. It was I can't remember exactly, but um, it. it and we had been doing the same things. We had traveled, you know, we had been to Europe. We had, you know, she still had, uh, uh, enough clout to go over and do some, you know, little things in, in Europe. Um, we, we had also gone to some Eastern Bloc countries. I mean, back in 1981, uh, yeah, we're talking some, it was, uh, it was, Amazing, actually, it was fantastic. But yeah, we were in, um, you know, what is now the Czech Republic. We were in Prague and uh, Poland and Bulgaria and some, you know, places that were pretty um, dark and gray and uh, still uh, the wall was still up. So, um, and, and can I ask you? Any, 
Can I ask what? you, like, what was the what was the gear like? What was the what were the shows like? Was there backline? What? Whatever showed up. Some of some of it was really odd, you know. Especially when you get into places like Bulgaria, you know, it's like some, you know, I I got really good at uh, at tuning bad drums. Um, <laughs> stuff would show up and would be mismatched, you know, especially especially in those kinds of countries. So, you know, more in uh, Western Europe, uh, stuff was fine, but. Um, uh, but it was all rented backline. Yeah, you know? uh, the guys would bring their guitars. That was about it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that stuff is that's so fascinating, and uh, especially those of us that grew up in the '80s and kind of see this transition and and uh, just how frustrating that, that to think about what everyone was going through with that and and how that was slowly opening up. And you see documentaries about like Elton John going over there in the late seventies and then, and then Billy Joel and, you know, and just those things. And and it's like, it just seems like it's such a crazy thing to think about now. It it is. And, uh, the people were so appreciative that you were there. Yeah. It was just so great. Uh, it was, you know, places like, Poland and you know there was you'd walk down the street there was nothing on the shelves there's nothing in the stores and we were giving our translators stuff from the hotel you know handed her soaps and shampoos and toilet paper she needed batteries we were giving her batteries from our you know Walkman you know uh, they didn't have anything it was just it was horrible but um, that's amazing yeah yeah. that's so crazy <clears throat> but I did stop. I did uh, leave Tina after, you know, um, I, I just felt like it, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere for me. Uh, so, but not long after I quit, you know, she just exploded. So it was really funny. Uh, but I was okay with it. You know, it's like, I, I wasn't like regretful or anything, sure. you know, it was like, well, it happens. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. But you came back. Well, I, I did. I came back. They asked me to do, I had been gone. They were, they, the, the, she already had uh, one big What's Love single was out. And uh, actually there was one before that. She had a version of Let's Stay Together that really did well, kind of really got her going in the UK. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, uh, What's Love came out. And um, they were doing a video for her second single in Los Angeles. And the drummer, uh, it was an English guy at the time who had been working with her, a guy named Henry Spinetti, who's a wonderful drummer, mm. great guy. Um, you, you could see Henry Spinetti, uh, you, you, he played with Clapton a bunch, but if you've seen the concert for George, um, yeah. The, yeah, that's Henry playing drums. Oh, well, there's like three guys, but right. uh, you know, right. but uh, yeah, the other guys who was it, Keltner, and yep. uh, I can't remember who else was. Well, there, I think it was but, Ringo. Ringo's on there. Yeah, yeah, Henry was the main guy there. He's a wonderful drummer. Anyway, he, he they didn't want to fly him over, so they just called me to uh, come in and do the video, and then I did, and then she asked me if I wanted to, or a manager, yeah, or both. Said, you know, you want to get back onto this, and you know. Uh, I said, of course. You know, everything nice. was better. The money was better. Better gigs. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was better. So yeah, no more hotels. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, I posted a video of you guys uh, playing at Wembley um, on on Facebook, and uh, it, it was so fun to watch. I've been watching lots of those live videos of you playing with her over the years, and she looks like it was a blast, man. It was pretty intense, you know, that the uh, it was a blast. Um, the shows just kept growing and growing and crowds getting bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, at that point that, you know, Wembley stadium, you know, we did a whole summer of stadiums and, um, a couple of tours was, uh, they incorporated stadiums into part of the tour. So, um, yeah, she was, uh, she was so intense. She was just like sparks, (laughs) Sparks flying off her, you know. I mean, the, the energy level that came off the stage was just—it's so great, insane. It was just—you yeah. know—we could have like, you know, lit up a small village. You know? <laughs> uh, Harness the power. It, it was, yeah. It was just, you know, Jeez. intense. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I—I'm a drummer. I geek out, but I, you know, I'm—I'm I'm sorry, Jack. I have to admit, man. She. She, I, it was hard to keep my eyes off her, even when they would cut to you. I was like, wait, no, let me, where's Tina? And, and I've got, you know, I've got a young musician in the house. And, you know, over the years, I've sat my kids down and, and said, okay, uh, this is Live Aid 85. We're going to watch Queen. All right. You're going to, you're going to watch this. This is, this is performance. This is, this is what bands do. And, you know, it's like, hey, son, you've got to watch this. This is, this is insane. This is, you know, this is music uh, and performance at its peak. Yeah, Tina was. Uh, I don't know anybody that could work that performed. You know, she was one of a kind. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know anybody or have seen anybody that, that could work a, a crowd, a huge crowd. Uh, yeah, like yeah. The, the whole stage, the crowd. I mean, it was just it was amazing. Reaching out, really one of a kind. Well, if we could just kind of settle, and we kind of—I feel like we've established this this base, and want to get into. You've worked with Joe Cocker, um, you know, currently with Delbert McClinton, um, but I, I want to kind of spend a little bit of time pulling from you important things that drummer needs need to know when backing up singers like Joe um, or Delbert. Uh, or Tina, in a way that, I mean, how would you describe drumming that is supports singers? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is is you have to you know know that uh, it's not your gig. Um, you, you're playing for somebody else yeah. who's paying you, uh, whether they give you charts to read or they want you to play certain things um, or give you the freedom to play whatever you want. Um, you know, you, you do the gig. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, uh, as far as uh, supporting singers go, uh, you, you have to stay out of the way. Obviously there's, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, luckily for me, uh, I, I, you know, 
I was a, I'm a real simple player. I don't have a lot of chops. I have a chop, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I just like to, uh, you know, play a groove, you know, I'm happy there, you know, sitting in it. So, uh, yeah. uh, that works well for singers. You know, you're not playing fills in the wrong places. You know, you're not stepping on them in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you know, your spots, you pick your spots, um, you know, listen most importantly to, uh, what's going on around you, uh, other players and, you know, <clears throat> but I know that, but I know that like, even with Jack White, when he was a kid and he was first, this when he auditioned for Ike and Tina, he was playing like these crazy bombastic fills, and they're like, "Yes, that's what we want. We want this energy." And you would think that's what Tina want, wants too. She did, you know. She did. Tina knew what she wanted uh, yeah. very much, uh, and a lot of it had to do with dancing. Okay. Um, okay. And and the fills you heard Jack play, I probably played similar ones because there were. She wanted drums. She wanted particular fills when they were doing dance moves, you know, and she would, you know, try and describe them to you. She didn't in, in non-musical terms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. It was, so you had to like translate. Uh, so, you know, when I do this, you play this, you know, and it's like, you know, she always wanted flams, like old school flams at the top of the verse, you know, which didn't really work in <clears throat> newer modern songs. I mean, they work great in, you know, some, certain you know, some r&b tunes uh, but you know in some a tune like what's love just doesn't work so um, <laughs> uh but uh yeah a lot of those fills she she knew what she wanted she had things she wanted to hear right um, right right and uh, was really uh, focused around her, her okay. dancing. that leads me to the monitor situation like how it evolved uh, you know, those of us that are old enough, you know, before in-ears and, you mm-hmm. know, all that good stuff, it's just, I mean, I'd, I'd leave gigs and my ears would just be ringing. And so I'm just, I'm so thankful we have in-ears. But how did that evolve for you? Well, uh, you know, early on, the you know, when things weren't so huge, they were just, you know, cheesy little monitors and, you know, you did... Uh, the best you could with what you had mm-hmm. but um yeah when the shows got large the monitors got big and you had to crack them to overcome the front of house um otherwise you know you're you're getting all the slap back it's just you know your time gets it's, it's hard to lock things down um yeah. so um yeah volume was it um had two huge wedges on either side of me, so oh um, most of the time, yeah, it was loud. I've lost hearing. Um, I wear hearing aids. Um, I know lots of drummers who have hearing aids now. So yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. I hurt myself with with the volume. So, okay. but I know people who who you know never had an issue with it. Didn't hurt them. They never got any um, nerve damage or damage to their hearing from you know. The, the tremendous volume on stage. That's that's crazy. And were you guys ever using uh, like any type of click reference or clicks during the thing during concerts? Are you, are you talking about with Tina? Yeah, um, yeah. No, or never. Well, later I can't say never. Later on, there were 
some things where we needed to um, play in time because um, there were some uh, parts that were um, that had to be uh, triggered uh, orchestrated things you know that, that you know we weren't able to duplicate I mean for the most part things are duplicated uh, gotcha. you know people played them live right? Right. They had samples they played everything but there were some there were a couple of tunes and only a couple where we, you know, we had to play a little track in the back um, and had to play in time. To yeah. That. yeah. But no, Tina was, very, you know, you, you could not, um, you know, play with a click with Tina. It just couldn't happen. You know, she always wanted things to go faster uh, <laughs> all the time. With, you know, so, within, the con- you know, within the context of the song itself? Oh, hell yeah. yeah it didn't matter. <laughs> It did not matter, you know. You, uh, in fact, I, I, Tina was the reason I started using a metronome in the first place to to count off tunes. I never used to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I would just count off tunes, you know, whatever, you know, I, you know, in my head, you know. So uh, she, uh, but everything was always too slow. So I finally got a metronome, and I said, "Okay, where do you want it? Where do you want this?" Because she was constantly up my butt about it, and. Uh, <laughs> So, so she, you know, we'd settle on one, and then it was it wasn't fast enough. You oh, know, it was right, never right. fast enough every night. You know, so you, you couldn't play with a click with Tina. In fact, one time she, uh, we were playing when we did incorporate uh, a, a, a track. I can't remember what it was. It was a little bit of percussion, or it probably probably was more of uh, strings or something in the background. And, we had to play to it, and uh, she would try and pick up the tempo, and we just <laughs> we couldn't. Yeah. You know, just like I'm sorry, I'm not going there. Um, and she would accuse the. Uh, she would say, "There's something wrong with that machine. There's something wrong with that machine." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard people do that. Yeah, uh, it's like, well, all right, well, okay, you know, we'll just make it faster. You know, yeah, the click track is slowing down. <laughs> she is. There's something wrong with that machine, isn't it? Okay. Well, but yeah, for the most part, uh, no, never happened. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, while we're on this, other, other artists you've worked with, uh, that use anything like that, just kind of as a, it's such a, such a common thing for, you know, especially modern pop acts and different things like that to use. So, I mean, uh, you did a, you finished up the leg of a Elton John tour and, um, Or I played a summer with Peter Frampton, and I just wonder if any of those uh, just never, never, gotcha, never, yeah. Um, No, it was wonderful. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm fine with you know if they have to you know run a loop or something in the back or yeah, but uh, you know people just um, played the parts that needed to be played in time. You know, so it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and and kind of all this part of it is just kind of my personal curiosity, just as I work with different people and some people want clicks, some people don't, some people don't care. And I've almost become more comfortable with the click than without. And I see that as a constraint. I see that as an issue that I don't want to infect my playing. Uh, so that's kind of why I'm inquiring, but also kind of leads me to this question it's 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 kind of crazy i actually wrote it down uh so (laughs) if you can 
if if it makes sense, cool. If it doesn't make sense, we'll just chop this out. Um, but okay. uh, kind of, there was the constraints of technology when when you first started. Whether it was uh, just monitors, different things like that, different gear um, compared to today, I guess. Um, but it, I'm guessing it it benefited your performance in a way that players today aren't experiencing. Is that a? Do you think that's a true statement? I don't know. I don't know. I know there's a lot more clicks in use, and there's a lot more tracks, um, and there's a lot more drummers, you know, triggering Ableton stuff. Um, but um, I, um, there's still plenty of people, you know, playing. You know, if the feel is right, uh, the time doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a. Uh, it, as long as it feels good and, yeah, and, the, yeah. and the tempos are not doing anything drastic. And, you know, if you have good players in the band, they're just locking it down, you know, right. and it's grooving hard. It's like, we're good. You know, the, the drummer's the click, uh, you know, that would, that was his job, um, or her job, you know, you're the timekeeper. Um, so, uh, for me, the only time I, um, I mean, I always count tunes in with a click. I, I you know, you, you have a tempo, but um, um, but um, the only time I, you know you really need it, or the only time I feel like you really need it, is if you have to play along with a some sort of loop or backing track of some sure. sort. And then sometimes you just play with the loop. It's, it's easier, you know. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. click can be so sterile sounding. Yeah, it's just nice to play with something. It sounds like a a rhythm of some sort, you know. So, right. uh, so no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of humans playing in time, <laughs> as long as it feels right. You know, right, so. right, right. Now, I, I I feel like it's it's possible that that is almost becoming a bit of a lost art. Uh, as this, as as more and more generation of of drummers and, and and so much, so many great young drummers, so much great young talent that comes in, that as we're getting, as technology becomes a big part of what the drummer is responsible for, uh, and and ha- and how we perform with different people and what's expected of you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we definitely get, more. Yeah, and that's a skill. I mean, playing live with a click, I mean, all those things are important. But like to be able to to do a gig without a monitor, to be able to do a gig without a click, uh to be able to um follow the artist or um in tempos and still make it feel good, uh to play shitty backline uh in in a uh you know, third world country. Like these are things that um you know, if you if to be to work professionally in all different scenarios and do it, do it really well. You know. Yeah, you have to be. You have to deal with it when it when it comes up. Definitely, all those things you mentioned, you know, popped up. Um, just uh, part of the growing growth process. Um, but the same thing with uh, you know, growing up playing in clubs, you know, and playing with different people and playing, you know different tunes even if it was top 40 stuff um 
learning different styles. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, adapting to the gear you have, um, the, the monitors, crappy monitors you may have, uh, you know, or, or just more importantly, um, um, monitor wise or, you know, pl- you know, playing, uh, in a band and, uh, finding your levels within the band, you know, so you're not, you, you know, you can hear everybody and you're, you're creating your own mix basically on stage. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a monitor guy, you know, mixing for you, for your in-ears, you know, it's just you guys on stage. It's like, you know, you, everybody finds the correct level and you, and you make your mix on stage. You know, it's like, I love that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes uh, it involves, you know, for me, I was always used to playing really hard. Um, I would play really loud. Um, when I started playing with Delbert, um, I was like really cracking my snare all the time. It was just, uh, it was too loud for that band. You know, we just, it just didn't work. Uh, I really had to back off and uh, find my space there. Um, you know, we didn't have huge monitors. We didn't have any ears with Delbert. We just kind of had to find that, make that work. I had to anyway. I, I, I kind of wasn't, I kind of gotten away from it. I, I just wanted, you know, playing concerts with large monitors and, <clears throat> excuse me, and in ears. But uh, yeah, um, it's a great learning curve. But um, yeah, I, I love being able to make my own mix on stage or with a band, you know. But everybody's, you know, in tune with that. Yeah, I find it really fascinating when in-ear monitors for all different kinds of gigs, all different levels of gigs, is more common, is more available in recent years. And uh, to be able to shift gears uh, and play with a wedge or without a monitor, uh, it, it... it, if, now I'm I'm really speaking for myself because I, I mean there's so many different people that are doing all kinds of gigs, but um, just doing some more pop things. It's 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 been really fast. I'd, for like a year and a half, I uh, played without ears, and I kind of rediscovered this love of the sounds yeah. I was getting from my drums in every different room we were in. And mm-hmm. and uh, and how to play dynamically. And I know you mentioned in one of your uh, other interviews that when you started playing with in ears, you were playing harder. And I felt the yeah. same thing. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't control my volume. You know what I mean? I, I kind of was trying to find my way with. You know, they have limiters on them, and and. Um, you know, you, you're playing in a room without in ears. You know how hard you hit them. You know how much louder it gets when you hit them harder. Um, yeah. It was just different with in ears. I, I couldn't, you know, like uh, I'd play harder and, you know, wouldn't necessarily get louder. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. yeah, it was weird. It was, uh, you know, had to get used to that. Were you- now, I know Tina played on Saturday Night Live. Were you with her when she did that? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I was. Yeah, and do you remember what year that was? Hey, good question. No. Um we <laughs> may have done it more than once. I can't remember now, but yeah. I, I remember one in particular. Um um but uh, cuz Tina was a guest on the show and she did some stuff, but also I remember that I, I met Sean Pelton who I'm a huge fan of. Sure. He was playing on the show. So. Sure. 
it was uh, that era. I can't. I don't know when Sean started playing on that uh, show. I, I know it was in the nineties, but I don't remember either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember Matt Chamberlain played there for a year. And really? Show- I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. he did it for a year, and he's like, ah, I think I'm good. <laughs> like, I <did> it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I guess, you know, uh, it's, I guess, uh, you know, if you live in the city, uh, yeah. you know, you have that gig. Uh, I don't know how many days a week you end up going there to do stuff and rehearse, but, man, it seems like if you were living in Manhattan, it would be great anchor yeah right 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 no and then i I believe sean came in somebody probably could correct me but i I think sean came in right after that and yeah sean is to me uh for so many things but his biggest inspiration to me is the way he plays trash can endings and because (laughs) he does it well he does it so well in in like coming from somebody that doesn't like i'm like you man i got my one chop and yet, when I hear guys just going crazy at the end of songs, I'm like, I, what should I do there? And then I see Sean, I'm like, oh, yeah, there you go. You know, yeah. not it doesn't I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That brings the song down. It doesn't lose energy. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, you remember. You know, guys, uh, in, in, you know, like James Brown tunes or, you know, the song would do a quick cutoff. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you'd hear like two kick drum beats. Yeah. You know, that was it. Yeah. And then there'd be a chord. You know, it was so cool. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, doesn't... totally bombastic. Um, you know, yeah. You can bring it down in a, in a, in a, in a different ways but yeah but sean pelton yeah he uh he's he's the perfect guy uh for me for what i like um his sounds his parts his groove mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. everything he does on on a record just sounds is perfect for the track the sound, all of it it just kills me uh when i first heard uh a few small repairs by sean colvin i you know it's like just god drum tracks would just <laughs> slayed me mm-hmm. uh, I just everything about him was just perfect damn you know so he's the he's the guy he's the kind of player i, I love that's that's so great and and probably when you hear the tracks you can see him in your mind that kind of player well you know i i see him with that hat on you know um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, just uh, he's just so musical. Jeez, just uh, song, it's great stuff. The last couple of weeks, I've been listening to Shaka Khan's first record with Steve mm. Ferroni, '78, uh, yeah. I believe, and yeah. I can see him playing these parts. Yeah, that's a groove. Oh my gosh, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just this visual. Um, the reason I ask about Saturday Night Live is as I'm 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 digging in to to your your history and, and watching videos online. I remember as a young player uh, seeing and it might have been her first performance, but it was an early performance of her and it was like it was a rock straight up rock song and it was just a, a just a super deep two and four. But it, it, it and and it was I'm excited to know that it was you that 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 just it really hit me hard man it hit me like a brick wall where i'm going 
this to me is what I want to sound like. Um, I can't remember what uh, outside of probably Proud Mary. I can't remember what other two. It it wasn't Proud Mary. And I I know that for sure. And I can't find the video of it. I'm going to try and dig a little bit deeper. But it was so solid, and it, I have just such strong <laughs> memory of of my emotional connection to just I mean, just I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was something like that that was undeniable. Uh, the rhythm section, the band, everything about it was undeniable, and I'm like, yes, yes. Checked all the boxes for me. <laughs> it was so great. Two and four, baby. Two it was so freaking great. Well, and I want to ask you a little bit about that. So, um, I mean, you're you're kind of a self-proclaimed pocket player, and and that word gets thrown around a lot. And sometimes I'll throw it around a lot when I'm trying to avoid uh, explaining what uh, chops I don't have. Um, y- y- there's a it, this is a, a, a hopefully a, a, a super quick. Uh, anecdotal story, but there's a band I've been working with for about three years. I love these guys. And like the second or third gig I did with them, I was still kind of learning their songs, their arrangements, different things like that. And we're in between sets and we go back in the dressing room and and the guys are like, yeah, man, that's, that's right. That's his, yeah. uh, You know, uh, slow down here a little bit at the end of this song. And, and, uh, but yeah, that's right. That this is, uh, you're, you're getting it together. And one of the, one of the guitar players said, um, he goes, yeah, man, I mean, we're not about chops or anything like that. And so when he said that, I saw an opportunity to uh, inject some of my weird sense of humor. And I said, why would you say that to me? Like what? You know, kind of like, dude, we don't care about chops. We know you can't play chops. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you only have one. I know. So I got real serious. I said, why, why would you say that to me? And... And he goes, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I, we know you can play. And I was like, no, man, I'm just fucking with you. I, I know what you mean. I know that like this is what's important. You know, these grooves and and just playing good time and supporting because it, it's a it's a it's a singer heavy band. Lots of harmonies and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's that's my funny story. But so I. I think people throw that around as like, well, I can't play like this guy or that guy. But trust me, I'm a pocket player. Can you speak well, to that? Well, I can say that. Um, well, if you, if everybody has their own pocket, you know, you talk about Steve Ferroni, it's like, wow, it's unmistakable. Yeah. You know, what a groove that guy has. So, yeah. you know, um, so it's a feel, it's a good time. Um, you know, uh, everybody has their own feel. Um, and, and, Obviously, the, your time has to be good. So that's what I feel like a pocket is. You know, uh, you may not like my pocket. You know, some people, you know, like like you like drummers to uh, push and be ahead. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, depending on what it is, and you know, uh, some people just want you to, you know, lay that uh, backbeat back a little bit. You know, but uh, and that's I, I feel like my time my my pocket is um more just on time or a, a little bit behind um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um that that's just what i like i mean i remember listening to drummers play and it's like wow that guy his backbeat is just i need to try to get mine back a little bit you know lay it back a little bit 
and uh, just you know working on that, uh, keeping that <clears throat> in my conscious. You know, I was trying to play, but so uh, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. You know, but for me, that's what uh, a pocket is your feel, but with good time, of course. So. And what would you say informs that kind of feel, that kind of development as a player? Is there anything? I think it's just who you listen to and what you like mm-hmm. and, you know, who you're trying to, you know, you, you're learning by listening to other players and, you know, playing the kinds of grooves, that, you know, you uh, that you like to listen to. And, and, you know, you're playing along with it and, you know, in the learning process, you're, uh, you know, you're developing that your pocket, your your feel. You know, just by what you like to hear. You know? Right. And what were you listening to growing up? Bands, drummers, other things. Uh, different things at different times. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, there was just all kinds of different stuff in my house being played. I had um, an older brother and an older sister, so I was li- I was hearing stuff from you know, the 50s and the 60s or earlier 60s. And, and then, um, you know, I, I, was, I would play with my uncle's band and, it, you know, we'd play like Dixieland stuff. Um, but uh, further on, as I got more into rock and roll stuff, um, um, I was just listening to everything. Um, um, just... Mm, just uh, I'm trying to think of drummers in particular outside of sort of big band guys you'd hear or you know, you'd see on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mitch Mitchell stands out for me. Um, yeah. uh, Nigel Olson stands out for me. Russ Kunkel, those, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, just rhythm tracks on going back a little bit or even around the same time. Uh, not even sure who was playing on, you know, Motown stuff at that point in time, you know, four tops temptations, like those tracks were just so damn good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody knew who these guys were, you know, at that point in time, you know, I'm in like a high school. It's like, damn. You know, <laughs> so, you know, everything goes in, it all kind of get, goes into the mix and, uh, you know, comes out in your own kind of way somehow. And has worked. Has worked for you. I, I don't know how many times I'll, if I want want to work on a song or, or record a song, I'll listen to the track, and and it might occur to me to, you know, what kind of drummer. I, I think the other day I wrote down on a chart Russ Kunkel. Right. You know, yeah. I, I want to kind of personify that. What the, would Russ play? Yeah, what kind of brush fills would he play? Uh, how okay. do I? Um, yesterday, I wrote on a chart Jerry Murata because uh, I wanted this kind of world beat modern thing. Um, we'll see if the songwriter want, likes it or not. Uh, I'm still waiting, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you bring you yeah. bring your yourself into it you know oh, your take on it unfortunately know? yes i i can write jerry's name on the chart but um it still ends up sounding like me <laughs> well yeah can't be avoided that's what makes you special <laughs> i wrote jerry Murat on the chart why does it still sound like me what the heck man <laughs> yeah exactly hot town summer in the city Shadow in the city 
Can you tell me a little bit about um, the the tour you did with Elton? Uh, you got a call to to finish up a what was it? The big picture tour was that l- late nineties? It was uh, it was late nineties. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember exactly when that was, but um, we'll stay with late nineties. We'll stay. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was ninety eight. Right around there. Now that now that I I'm go with uh, 1998 uh, for 200, please. Right, right in there. Uh, um, but yeah, um, no, I just got a call. I had met a couple of those guys. I knew a couple of them from Los Angeles. Um, uh, guy Babylon, the keyboard player, we had played in a band together, um, and uh, uh, and then I didn't know any of the Elton guys, you know, Davey or. You know, any anybody had been playing with them, but um, so uh, I just got a call. I I met them. It was on a Tina gig. Um, Ray Cooper, um, mm-hmm. Bob Birch, Davy Davy, um, John Stone. Uh, it was it was really a strange situation. Uh, they were at a Tina show. And the, the show was, uh, this is kind of off the wall. The show was in Brunei, uh, and the, um, the Sultan of Brunei had a brother, Prince Jeffrey, uh, who was kind of a large liver. Uh, I mean, they had, I mean, they were billionaires. Anyway, uh, his daughter, <clears throat> turned 21. I can't remember if she was graduating from college or, uh, or she, it was her 21st birthday or both, but yeah. she wanted, uh, Tina to play. Of course. And they, and they had the money and they made it happen. Um, but that's where, and Elton guys were there because, uh, her brother, I can't remember the, the kid's name, played the drums and he wanted Elton to play at his birthday. Uh, so, uh, those guys were there teaching him a few tunes so he could sit in with Elton when Elton did. Good God. Yeah, it was so surreal. It was just, I've never seen that kind of <laughs> m- money. Uh, it was just so weird. Uh, but anyway, that's where I met those guys. And um, so when the, the I got a call from Davey, I was um, uh, on a a cocker tour and uh, said, you know, you want to do this? And I went, yeah, well, you want to get together and let's play a little bit, see how this is going to, you know, how it feels, you know, how it's going to work out. I went, nah, you, you got the gig. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're Thank not going to do that. <laughs> You're just going to show. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and we're not going to rehearse. So here's all the tunes, learn them. And, uh, we'll, we'll do it at soundcheck. Was, so. was there live tapes or board tapes or anything like that? Yeah. yeah okay. There were lots of live tapes. Sure. It was all live tapes for the most part. Yeah. If I recall. So, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So I just got the call to do that and was, uh, uh, obviously really happy about it. Um, and, uh, loved, uh, I was pretty nervous, actually, um, 
going in there um, when we first started, you know, the first time Elton came in and played, and you know, all these damn songs crammed in my head, and uh, we ran through all kinds of stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, but uh, he loved it. It worked out great, and um, it was just a, a highlight for me. I, I mean, I loved playing, especially his old tunes. And I, I mentioned Nigel Olson before, and, right? Uh, his kinds of Tom fills that I, that you know, just. I was attracted to, and I got to play that kind of floppy, loose stuff um, to the best of my ability. Um, you know, never felt like Nigel, of course, but, um, you know, it was just such a, a great gig and, and on so many levels. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I didn't want to leave. Um, <laughs> and I, I di- it didn't. I didn't. I was happy to stay. Uh, it, it just... Um, it kind of, it it, it um, kind of. Well, I don't want to say fell apart. The timing was bad. Um, we were supposed to do. Uh, I, I was very happy uh, doing those shows and had a blast doing them all. And um, and we were supposed to do uh, a tour with Tina. Oddly enough, um, a double bill. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, at that point, I had decided um and let, let them know because tina had wasn't working at that point um and i i told the elton's people i said i'm very happy here and um um when we do this tour um i'm i'm gonna stay here i'm just letting you know so there's no you know confusion as to you know what i would want to do or what i was going to do but no. um, you wouldn't do both you wouldn't do both artists hell no i mean i have done and i did do a gig for with both of them um one night um but um they uh one of the things that um as part of the build-up to the tours so they did a vh1 divas show yeah and tina was on and Elf was on and there was a, a famous blowout that happened on that show between tina and elton um and the tour was pretty much off uh, after that um so um but there there was uh there must they must have been contracted to do uh, the new year's gig um at uh in las vegas uh there was one uh, pre-New Year's Eve gig where both of them were on the bill and I played for both of them that night mm-hmm. which was kicking my butt but, um, <laughs> and, and I was a lot younger but um, <clears throat> um, yeah that then uh, Elton at that point in, in order to keep him working they he went off and did a, a solo tour just piano yeah um, and it was great I saw him when he came here and uh, it was so fantastic. And they just kind of kept him doing that. And, uh, you know, the band wasn't, wasn't involved. And then Tina was going to go out uh, uh, in 2000. And uh, I had two little kids. And uh, I was like, well, I'm, you know, once again, I'm just following my nose here. I'm taking the work. That's, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, you know, started with Tina again. And, um, uh, Elton didn't go back to work with a band for you know, some time after that because I remember he did uh, 
something called the Stately Home Tour in the in the UK, and it was just him. And I think he did something with Ray Cooper again. Okay, uh, just the two of them. Um, so they kind of the band was on hold. Uh, for all I know, they could have been on uh, Retainer. I mean, Elton was the kind of guy that would have put him on Retainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I just went off and started Tina again. So, and then uh, after that. Um, I think they had Kurt Biscara play for a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And then and then uh, Nigel came back. Yeah, and it was and, the two of them for a while. Uh who? It was Oh, oh, uh, Nigel and Kurt. Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy cool. Yeah, it's Well, nuts. yeah, and then when you but when you hear Nigel play that gig and I I mm-hmm. went and heard him a couple of times and it's like wow you own this uh right it, 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 nobody else should play this gig except for <laughs> you uh, you know yeah. nobody uh, you know yeah. the chemistry was just amazing to me between yeah. those two yeah so you know um, I, I think that's the thing that kind of drove me nuts about the i'm such a music geek too so that's probably an explanation but that that the elton movie that came out a couple years ago and I really, it's kind of more of a musical, it's not a biography of any sort, but it's like, what about the band members? Like, there's so many, like, I want to, like, who played Ray Cooper? Who played Nigel Olsen? Oh. You know, there wasn't yeah. that. And, you know, it, it was what it was. But these things, I mean, gosh, such huge personalities uh, as people, as artists, as songwriters, um, in the 20th just helped define the second half of the 20th century both these people yeah and and you know guys like nigel and davy uh johnstone yeah they were there from the get-go right. with elton i mean that was that's the only gig they ever really did yeah um i mean they've been rock stars since they're you know teenagers you know it's pretty amazing they were so fantastic with elton over 20 years ago like like i did but why i know why i chose nashville <laughs> why did you choose nashville well uh, the only reason why i chose nashville was because of the uh, pretty much it was the northridge quake in uh southern california oh, wow. um, okay that was pretty much the the the, the, the catalyst um i had uh it was a huge quake, and we were really close to this epicenter um, where I lived at the time. And uh, my, I had my kids were two and four at the time, mm. um, and I was going to be. I had two tours booked. I, I was going to be gone a lot um, for a couple of years, and my wife was scared to death. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say scared to death, but uncomfortable. Um, she didn't really want to be there anymore with two little kids and me being gone a lot. So we looked around uh, on the, we looked up in the Northwest and Portland, Seattle and down towards San Diego. And, you know, um, and then, you know, but really the only choice when you want to live in a music city, 
with uh, L.A., New York, or at that point, Nashville, too. And I knew a couple of guys who lived here and spoke to them. And, but that's the reason why I came here. Um, yeah, yeah. Was was the quake pretty much? It had it not been for that, I I may have still been in L.A. Hard to say, although so many people are leaving L.A. now and, and moving here too. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Well, if you want to be in this business and have a somewhat domesticated lifestyle as well, uh, Nashville's one of those places. You can. It's a good place it. to be. Yeah, you could be in uh, some place like Portland, and yeah. you know you're not you're not going to have. And you're going to be living in a great place, Portland, Oregon, that is, that's yeah. not Maine. But, um, you know, there's plenty of wonderful cities to For be sure. in, and, and you can play, and there's gigs around. And In fact, probably more local gigs that pay than in a town like, in you know, here or, or you know, any music city. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you're not going to have the quantity and caliber of players. There's going to be great players in a you know, wherever, but, uh, there's lots of them here. Um, so yeah. more opportunities to play with good people. You know, so, so if you're, if you want to play, you know, you're going to want to be one of those places. One of, the, one of those places. One New York, LA, Nashville. I can't think of any place else at this point in time. I'm not sure. But so currently just kind of just up to speed we're we're uh you know looking at 2021 uh with the most uh i don't know um upbeat uh most positive vibes as we can <laughs> yeah um yeah. you're working Hope with delbert yeah anything else to, that's to look well, for little things around town i mean um as far as the gigs go road stuff um Delbert has been my guy here for some, I don't know, a few years now. Uh, so let's see, when did I start with Delbert? It's been like six years, I believe. Did you work but, with, um, uh, was Rob McNally in the band when you started? No, Rob was uh, in in a band uh, before okay. I got there. But I know Rob uh, a little bit. I don't know well, but yeah, gotcha. great player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and we, he's turned into be you know session guy, um, you know extraordinaire, insane. Uh, he's a great player. Yeah, insane. We actually had him. He was one of our non drummer guests a few mm-hmm. years ago. He and I go back to Columbus. Um, I didn't know him when I was living there, but I uh, we got to know each other after we moved here. So, but I know, uh, um, you know, discovered Delbert kind of through him and my connection with him and. Um, I think that live record uh, from 1989 is one of my favorite. Him down in Texas or Austin, live in Austin. Yeah, yeah, man, killer, always killer bands, always rocking. Uh, yeah. I'm such a huge Delbert fan. I was just so thrilled to death. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to play with him. I just love the guy. Um, yeah. I love his tunes. Uh, I just love that kind of trashy shit that he plays. Sometimes, you know, uh, I just love it. And you've um, you've tracked with him. You've recorded with him. Yeah, and it's great. It's just all live, you know, except for the horns. You can just get in and play. That's um, amazing. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, uh, um, it was. It was. Yeah, I, I just love what Talbert does. So I don't know what's going to happen with him um, this year, if anything, or f- with anybody else for that matter. For me, um, you know, talking to other friends of mine, players who are who are older. Um, Tour-wise, boy, there's just not a lot of it around. And then you have to factor in, uh, you know, 
the an age, your age thing uh, for at least some gigs. You know, I don't think I'm going to be playing with uh, <laughs> any really young people <laughs> at this point. You know, but uh, yeah. w- one thing that's uh, cool about Nashville is there's plenty of older players here, and they yeah they play, they work. There's no, it doesn't stop anyone from from using uh, working with them. No, um, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I love that part because I'm older. So, um, (laughs) uh, but I I just don't know how this is all going to play out. Um, You know, there wasn't tons of work around um, for at least not for everybody. Um, And there's even less now. I'm I just don't know where it's going. I just uh, I have this feeling that people are just chomping at the bit to start opening things. Everything's just going to come in one big wave. That would be great. I hope I hope it just opens up and everybody starts working and yeah, you know, playing. It'd be so great. But uh, just kind of watching, waiting, and watching. I, I, you sure, know, sure. So you know, well, it's been say. a good opportunity for us to catch you during this time. And and talk to you, man. It's it's an honor to have you on here. I thank Jack White for connecting us. Uh, I hope sometime we we cross paths. Uh, you probably live, you know, two streets over. Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm in Franklin. I don't know where you're at. Uh, I'm in Brentwood. Okay. Um, well, you're not far. We no. Should, uh, we can get together, meet in person. That would be good. Yeah. I can put a face behind the, the I, voice. I, well, in, in this last year, the, the we we interview drummers all over the country and 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 a few across the across the pond as well. And um, it's funny, all the Nashville drummers that I've interviewed in this last year over the phone because sometimes we get together and we we would get together in person. But I've just been doing this. Just, it just. It, the recording's been fine and it's convenient. But anyways, I, I, I'm like, yes, dude, let's, we need to connect. Let's grab coffee and, and go pester the guys at Forks or, or whatever. Yeah. And so I have this like laundry list of people, mm-hmm. you know, and just to connect. And I, I'm, I'm excited to do that because that's another thing is that even if you're an introvert, um, people are saying, you know, when things open up, they're, they're excited about seeing people again. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's such an integral part of our, what we do. I mean, you know, my job and my social life, uh, it's kind of all wrapped up uh, together. You know, I hang in with the, the people that I work with and play with and, uh, you know, are all, it's all the same, you know? So mm-hmm. if I'm not, it, you know, social life changes as well you know um i'm I'm, i love hanging out with the people that i work with yeah that's important that's important and i I love what you say about just kind of one last thing is i'm getting older too and uh, and it's it's really funny because there there was a time and you probably experienced this too where you were you were the youngest guy in the band and then you were all like uh, the same age and then you're like the oldest guy in the band and then <laughs> now you know I, I find myself kind of straddling that uh, where there's a group I'm going out with this weekend and I happen to be the youngest guy uh, mm-hmm. in in the band and then um, and then the next week I'm playing with a group of people where they're like 15 years younger and 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 there's dynamics to both. There really yeah, absolutely. is, um, and uh, but the benefit of of getting older and working with experienced players is just the, just the the ability to, to jettison the bullshit 
and uh, enjoy what they what you're doing, uh, appreciating what you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Just happy to be there. Right. This yeah. point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Super crazy. Yeah. So, and you don't, you know, the visual thing is sort of out of the picture, you know, when you're in a town like LA and, you know, you know, they're concerned with, you know, the way it looks. Um, yeah, it is, it is interesting. Up. It is interesting. But, but yeah. Jack, I just went to the gym this morning. Why did I do it? Then why, you know, <laughs> Don't bother. Just Don't go bother. eat instead. I just, just go grab, go eat. I, just, yeah. I should have stayed in bed and ordered a milkshake. <laughs> That's exactly right. That, yeah. <laughs> I used to go, I used to work out all the time when I was traveling and then um, I stopped and, you know, I'd end up uh, going to cafes and hanging out, nice. drinking coffee and eating lunch. Nice. So, well, that may yeah. be our strategy uh, when things open up is you have to let me know what cafe you're in and, and I'll go. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll run there. No. I <laughs> yeah. Take your bike. <laughs> well, Jack, this has been a blast, man. I, we, we, we can't thank you enough for, oh, for your time. No problem. And, um, Absolutely. It's, it's been a yeah. blast checking it, checking uh, all the things that you've done and, and, and the newer videos with Delbert and um, just looking forward to things being back to normal and we can all get going. Yeah, you and me both and probably everybody else in this town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, take care, man. I will be in touch for sure, but I hope you have a, a great rest of your weekend and a good weekend too. Thanks, Matt. Good hey, to talk to you. Thanks, Jack. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it, my conversation with Jack Bruno. Uh, man, it's so fun to go kind of back through time and talk about some of these uh, great gigs and just how things have changed in the music industry. And, and Jack is such an inspiration. He just continues to kill it to this day. Um, but uh, we, again, thanks Jack White for making the connection with us uh, to Jack Bruno. And I hope you all enjoyed that. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Steve from Junk Drummer TV. It sounds like it's going to be a fun one. Uh, also, if you guys get a chance, go check out the podcast, Big Fat Five. Uh, ben Heltzinger is the host, and uh, he had Zach and I on as guests. So I was pretty awful about posting things on social media. So I'm just throwing that out there. We love to spread the love with other podcasts out there. And we had Ben on as a guest not too long ago, and then he uh, had Zach and I on to talk about five recordings or moments that helped define our careers, and that was super fun, and uh, I sound like I had about six cups of coffee on there. It was crazy, but um, so I encourage you to check out Big Fat Five, which is sponsored by and supported by Big Fat Snare Drum, which we are all big fans of. Ben Heltzinger is the guest the owner and creator of Big Fat Snare Drum we're going to have on as a guest soon. We're going to talk about that. But for now, stay safe, stay sane, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.